0: climate watch is cgtn radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change we have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue listen to climate watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home
1: ideas matter ideas matter this is
0: dialogue hello and welcome to dialogue From cheap supply to investment, the U.S. is sparing no effort to surprise the growth of China's high-tech sectors. But one prominent economist is questioning the U.S. moves and even concluding the U.S. is losing the tech wall. So what's the impact of the U.S. tech restrictions? If the U.S. is losing the tech wall and how? And how is China dealing with the U.S. blockade? For that, we are honored to have David Paul Goldman, American economic strategist and deputy editor of Asia Times. Mr. Goldman, welcome to Dialogue. We know that you just left China and returned to the States. So share with us, what's your impression of China, in particular, the high-tech industry?
1: Well, uh, China is in a great transition, and some of the things I saw are extremely promising. Uh, for example, uh, I visited uh, Tianjin, which is one of the top ten ports in the world and the first fully automated port. It uses five G communications and artificial intelligence to move automated cranes and autonomous vehicles, and it can unload a large container ship in less than an hour. At America's largest port of um, Long Beach in California, that would take. A day. So the efficiencies are enormous. And the most impressive thing is that the port itself was designed to be exported to the rest of the world, to be reproduced in many other countries. And it's one of many examples I saw of so called fourth industrial revolution automation, the application of artificial intelligence to manufacturing, to transportation, and so forth. Uh, I visited uh, one of Huawei's manufacturing facilities and you can see the enormous gains in productivity that are to be had through artificial intelligence so I think the technologies that China has developed are extremely impressive the real issue is how fast these can be uh, embraced by the economy as a whole I think the technologies are there Uh, the demonstration level has done very well and now the real test is the rate of adoption of these technologies uh, particularly by, by the private sector.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, probably a challenge for China and the economy. Uh, but then, you know, we know that uh, uh, you went to Huawei, you paid a visit to Huawei, the uh, telecommunication company. Uh, so tell us more about the company. You know, are they still on the survival mode or are they ready to for further development?
1: Well, I think Huawei is well past survival mode. One important uh, indicator is that starting in the fourth quarter of this year, Huawei will again offer 5G smartphones. They were not able to do that because American uh, export controls made it impossible for them to obtain uh, the more advanced chips that are required for 5G phones. And that virtually destroyed their handset business briefly in 2021. Uh, they were the top handset manufacturer in the world, and that business contracted by more than three quarters. Uh, the fact that Huawei is able to source domestically produced high-end uh, semiconductors, seven nanometer chips, uh, is a very important breakthrough, and it shows that China is working around American technology controls uh, faster than most people expect. Is certainly faster than I expected. From the standpoint of Huawei's business, though, handsets are really a small part of it. What's interesting is that Huawei is known as a maker of telecommunications equipment, but it's becoming really an artificial intelligence company, a cloud company, uh whose main business is facilitation of technology uh by different businesses. Uh that's a big change in their business plan. It'll take them a while to implement it, but uh, it's actually, I think, very exciting.
0: Well, you, you know, we are talking about the tech uh, war or the tech sector on both countries. Uh, you recently wrote a piece, you know, why America is losing the tech war with China. Uh, so tell us, you know, what motivated you to produce such a piece?
1: I think that technology controls historically are a very poor way of going about competition. Uh, China is certainly a strategic rival to the United States and a major competitor. And as American, I want America to be the strongest country in the world. And I want us to stay ahead of China. Uh, the problem is that our investment in our tech sector is very small compared to what it used to be when we went to the moon or we won the Cold War. Uh, it's really atrophied, and China has put a great deal more effort into cutting-edge technology than we have now to try to slow China down by putting on tech controls uh, it will certainly cost China a lot of effort and it may slow China down a little but the effects of controls are much much less than the American administration had hoped China has a very large number of skilled people it graduates more engineers than the rest of the world combined uh, you may not be able to import certain kinds of chips from Taiwan but you can hire engineers from Taiwan to help you build them at home so uh, much more quickly than we expect uh, China's semiconductor industry and related industries are coming up to speed it's very hard to know exactly how fast this is happening but as I mentioned Huawei's ability to offer 5G smartphones uh, as well as uh, artificial intelligence processors based on high-end chips manufactured in China, uh, that shows that China is adapting much faster than most observers, including me, uh, thought would be the case. So it's really not a good policy. And the other objection, which of course has been made by the American semiconductor industry, is that China is an enormous market. By cutting off American exports to China, we deprive American companies of revenues, and the loss of revenue to american companies as a result of the china sanctions may do more harm than all of the subsidies that the government has offered to the semiconductor industry can compensate for so according to the semiconductor industry uh, america may be hurt even more than china by these sanctions and i think that's an important argument to consider
0: but still, Mr. Goldman, many people would argue, you know, the U.S. had this advantage of the high-tech uh, technology, for example, in advanced uh, chips and AI and, uh, you know, quantum computing. China is playing catch-up at this particular point of time, if the U.S., uh, for example, imposes uh, uh, export control or restrictions of uh, the you know transfer of technology, that definitely will slow down or even put the Chinese development at a pause or stop even? Well,
1: it, it really isn't doing any such thing. For one thing, the kind of chips that you require to automate a factory or automate a port uh, to do the things that really increase productivity, uh, you don't necessarily need the highest end chips. I'll give you an example. Uh, when Huawei was banned from buying high end chips, many people in the United States said, well, that's the end of China's 5G rollout. Uh, but it wasn't the case. China wrote up, installed 2.3 million base stations uh, out of 3 million globally, China led the world in 5G installations. Huawei found out how to make the base stations work perfectly well with older chips, uh, 28 nanometer chips. So the ban on the high-end chips really had a minor effect on China's uh, rollout of 5G infrastructure. And I think the same is true of the industrial and transportation technologies, which will have the biggest economic productivity impact. You might need a lot of computing power for large language models that write poetry or compose a, a school essay. Uh, but to automate a factory, you don't need all of that computing power. So in terms of what I think is most important for China, which is the productivity applications that come from AI, uh, you seem to be doing very well with the quality of chips that you can produce at home. So I don't think it's really a effective. Fa-
0: uh you know according to your study your research you know uh, you wouldn't agree with the u.s uh, you know uh like policy of restrictions uh, against the chinese side you're basically suggesting that the u.s should invest more in manufacturing is that a well, well
1: it, it, exactly to give you an example when i was a little boy john f kennedy was president and he said we're going to the moon and at that point we put two percent of gdp into the federal development budget. Now it's 0.3% of GDP. So relative to the size of our economy, it's a tiny fraction of what we used to spend on high-tech development. Uh, Under the uh, Reagan administration, when the United States created the digital age and won the Cold War, we were spending about 1.5%. So, relative to what we did when America was doing great things, we're spending a tiny fraction of the resources we used to spend. My view is we need to spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year on high tech development uh, and help push that out through our industries and to help industry to be able to invest in those high tech areas. We need to run faster to stay ahead of China, to try to make China run slower is uh, a very ineffective policy so i'm for effective competition with china my objection to the restrictions that that they are a losing policy not a winning policy
0: mm-hmm. what about the recent moves you know by the biden administration to ban or limit the investment in the three sectors for example uh, you know ai uh, quantum computing and advanced chips you know by the u.s uh, uh, companies
1: Well, I doubt that's going to have a great deal of impact ten years ago, perhaps, because China didn't have the expertise. And when American venture capitalists came to China, they brought expertise with them. Take a firm like uh, RSA, which produced uh, radio chips. It was uh, created by an American uh, VC firm, venture capital firm, and eventually bought by uh, Tsing Investments. Investments. required a lot of American expertise. But at this point, uh, China has sufficient expertise to be able to make its own investments. So I don't believe that the restrictions are going to have a very big impact. They'll have some impact, but nothing like 10 years ago.
0: So it's um, not not only about the, uh, in terms of the financial Uh, flow, you know, like, uh, like, you know, where is the sole financial resources, you know, to invest uh, whether it's from the US or from other countries, if it's not from the US it's really about to whether the China does, you know, have this uh, financial strength to invest in its own firms or money from like uh, Saudi Arabia or the Middle Eastern countries uh, flowing to China.
1: Well, money really isn't the issue because China has a very large trade surplus, something like $800 billion a year. That means China receives for its exports $800 billion more than it pays for its imports. So it has to invest that money somewhere. It can put it into Belt and Road projects and buy U.S. treasuries, or it can invest it in high tech enterprises at home. It can do whatever it wants. China has no shortage of money. The issue much more is expertise and industrial organization. And we've seen very impressive improvements in China's expertise. For example, Huawei is now designing its own chips. Uh, Three years ago, it designed the Kirin chipset and the Kompeng chipset, which are Uh, state-of-the-art. Those are things which we used to think only the United States can do. You have uh, uh, automated uh, chip design tools, which used to be an American monopoly. Now it appears that there are Chinese companies which are building their own chip design tools. So certainly, we in the United States, who created the semiconductor industry, we invented all these things. We have a 50-year start on China, and we have a lot of very good technology. But China's rate of catch-up is extremely impressive. And again, in a global world, uh, China may not be able to buy some technology, but it can hire anyone it wants. So talent is very fungible, uh, is very global. So I don't think we can contain this very long. Uh, the real problem, in my view, is the lack of American investment in our own basic research and high tech development. As I said. What we are spending relative to the size of our economy is very small compared to what we did during the Cold War and under the at the height of the space program under John F. Kennedy. And my recommendation is to go back to that kind of aggressive, forward looking approach to developing American technology, which I think has always worked and not try to hold China back, uh, which doesn't appear to be working at all. Ideas matter. Ideas matter.
0: This is Dialogue. Uh, well, you know, we are seeing the competition or, you know, uh, in the high tech sector. On the other hand, we are seeing like officials from both sides are trying to increase the visit uh, talks, talking to each other. You have Secretary of State Antony Blinken. You have uh Trade Secretary Janet Yellen and then Home Secretary Gina Raimondo. How do you see any change? Now, uh,
1: this is an election year. Uh, it's easy for American politicians to blame China for American problems and that's a popular thing to do so I don't believe that the Biden administration is going to make any public or obvious uh, steps that will reduce tensions with China on technology issues because if they do the Republicans will attack them uh, my impression speaking to many officials in the administration is that there is a broad recognition that the tech sanctions have not worked out as they hoped and there also is a very powerful lobby on the part of the american tech industry the american semiconductor industry and others who think as i was saying before they think that the sanctions will hurt them as much as china perhaps even more So. I think you will see some uh, quiet efforts to reduce the effective sanctions uh, at the request of certain industries, but no publicity about it. So at the diplomatic level in this election year, I had very low expectations for any kind of uh, easing of tensions.
0: Mm-hmm. So just as you said, you know, a few weeks ago, CEOs of top U.S. Uh Semiconductor companies such as NVIDIA and Intel suggested that the Biden administration lift restrictions on the export of high-end uh, chips to China. I-, I think their argument is very similar to what you have said, because they tend to be heard more probably from these uh, restrictions. So probably there will be pressure and uh, you know, uh, s- some change might uh, be happening or might to happen silently. Y-
1: yes. Uh, You're not going to see it, though. The way the restrictions work is that there isn't an absolute ban. If you're a U.S. tech company and you want to sell something to China and it's on the entity list, you have to get a special license. You apply to the Commerce Department, you try to get an exception. The Commerce Department does not make public which licenses it gives. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, I think there will probably be some leeway granted to American tech companies for exports to China. But I don't think any of this will be publicized. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of disagreement and a lot of confusion in the administration because in October, when the big uh, increase in sanctions was announced, uh, the administration really thought that this would be a crushing blow to China's high tech industry. And since October, we've learned that it's been much less effective. Than people hoped. And I think this is broadly understood at the senior staff level in the administration. Uh, But once you do something, it's very embarrassing to say, gee, that didn't work. Let's just drop it and do something else, particularly in an election year. So uh, a lot of people have to go through the motions of promoting a policy, even if they don't believe in it for political reasons.
0: Mm -hmm. We have seen. The visit, as we mentioned, you know, by Antony Blinken, John Yellen, and Gina Raimondo, uh, of course, there is also uh, former Secretary of State uh, uh, Kissinger. It, it seems that they have failed to produce uh, the probably, if this is the purpose, you know, to stabilize the relationship. Uh, why?
1: Well, the American political system is much more decentralized than the Chinese system, and I think Chinese revert observers often fail to appreciate how chaotic our system is, and that's by design. We have uh, the Congress, which is elected independently of the president. Uh, we have the federal bureaucracy, which has a life of its own. We have the way an administration, which has many different views. It's really a coalition of different views. So uh, if we act confused and look confused, it's often because we are confused, and the American system was designed to allow many different opinions to have an important influence, which has the advantage of uh, moderating the behavior of the government and the disadvantage of sometimes making our policy completely incoherent. Mm-hmm. But that's what Amer- the American system does. So don't expect consistency from us, especially in an election year.
0: Yeah, election year, you mentioned, of course, there's a, I mean, it's toxic, probably, the China topic inside, uh, domestically. Uh, So politicians tend to be probably, or they have to be, in some cases, to be tough or to pretend to be tough. Yeah,
1: so I'll, I'll give you an example. I got into an argument on Twitter with a friend of mine who worked for the Trump administration at a senior level, and he said, our food supply is in danger. China has bought... Two billion dollars worth of American farmland, and I replied, "That is one tenth of one percent of farmland in the United States." learn arithmetic. This is silly. So, uh, when when you decide that everything China does is bad, and if China does something, it's bad because China is doing it, you end up uh, uh, with real absurdities. Now, personally, as an American, I want the United States to be the strongest country. And I'm alarmed that China is way ahead of us in AI applications to the Internet of Things, uh, manufacturing, transportation, and so forth. I want to reverse this. But because China is a rival and we need to regard China as a rival doesn't mean that everything China does is automatically wicked or that we should oppose everything China does simply because China is doing it. That's simply silly.
0: Well, we are still talking to each other, and that's important you know, to see uh, the relationship uh, uh, among the officials. They are, they are trying uh, to talk to each other and have more flights between the two countries. Uh, but still, we are seeing, you know, many people are talking about what's next. Uh, if you follow the line of the U.S. policies, probably more restrictions or more bans on the high-tech sector in terms of uh, any engagement?
1: It's very hard to say. What worries me, is uh, the possibility that this may end up uh, in violence. Uh, Certainly uh, there's a great deal of tension uh, in the Taiwan Strait and there are tensions in other parts of Asia. Uh, My view is that both sides have uh, made mistakes which might contribute to the increase of tensions. Uh, I don't. condone everything the Chinese government has done. And I think the United States has made a big mistake. And I think the most important thing is to keep the competition clean and restrict it to areas which don't uh, which don't uh, threaten to get us into a war.
0: hmm Keep the competition clean. Are you meaning that uh, probably like a decoupling or de-risking, you know, whatever terms here? Uh, probably should be happening in the sector of like economy or tech sector rather than other sectors?
1: Well, I think that we we should be using our creativity and our enormous resources to maintain uh, a technological edge over everyone in the world, to be the dominant provider of technology to the world. We've done that before. I believe we could do it again. But we've really gotten lazy in the last 30 years after we won the Cold War. I'll give you one example. In China, roughly a third of college students study engineering. In America, it's one out of 16. And that's why we import so many engineers from China, India, uh, and other countries. And now, with all of the uh, anti-Chinese feeling in Washington, Fewer Chinese are coming to the United States to study and many Chinese are leaving the United States to go back to China because they feel a hostile environment. Uh, this in my view is, uh, is very destructive. One of our great advantages in the United States is we are good at assimilating immigrants. China doesn't assimilate immigrants. Very few people immigrate to China, but millions every year immigrate to uh, America. In my view, there's nothing wrong with the United States that 20 million Chinese immigrants wouldn't fix.
0: But uh, with this 2024 presidential election upcoming, you think the environment probably will become even worse?
1: I think the environment will get worse before it gets better. Then after 2020, after whatever administration comes in is going to have to face reality. Uh, If I'm correct and China uh, continues to work around the technological restrictions. At some point, the United States will recognize that this policy has failed. Uh, the great British leader Winston Churchill famously said, The United States always does the right thing after trying everything else. Everything else.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so ultimately,
1: I'm confident we will do the right thing, but I don't think it'll be this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, briefly, Mr. Goldman, what's your vision of these two countries, uh, for example, in terms of their engagement and relationship in the high-tech sector? Uh, is that possible? You know, one country probably uh, excels at a, a particular technology, the other side at another technology, so there is a peaceful coexistence and, and also fair oh, competition.
1: Oh, from this, as an economist, that is the ideal. The international division of labor is good for everybody. But there's also a strategic issue. Uh, does the United States look at China as a strategic military rival, and what are the military implications of this? And so that's something which the two countries haven't worked out. Uh, we say that we are restricting technology exports to China because we're afraid that these will be used for the Chinese military. Now, I personally think that argument is is wrong. It's a technical argument and. There's a long explanation. Uh, but there is a broader issue, uh, namely, uh, the United States has had a system of alliances in Asia, with not just with uh, Japan and Korea and others, and China is looked at as disruptive and a threat to the region. So I think a great deal of wisdom is required on both sides to de-escalate and create a strategic situation where neither side feels threatened by the other. And that's certainly not the case now. Uh, I think the great, I've written elsewhere that the great task of our generation is to avoid a war between China and the United States. And I think both sides have made errors, and both sides have a profound responsibility to their own countries and humanity to avoid a confrontation. In principle, there's no reason for China and the US to
0: fight. Yeah, wisdom is needed. Thank you, Mr. Goldman. Thank you for your insights and time. With that, we come to the end of today's show. Many thanks to our guest, Mr. Goldman. You can also find us on the CGT app on YouTube. I'm Xu Qingduo. Thanks for being with us. See you next time.